0: Chuck and Christy badly, you guys can come on up. I want you to hear a little bit about what they're up to. Um, <clears throat> Chuck and Christy have been at Polaris forever. Uh, Christy works for our preschool, Rise and Shine, not because of the lucrative salary, um, but because it's a place of great impact. Um, they have, uh, yeah, just move my, whatever. Um, I need a stool. I forgot a stool. They have um, fostered, or they've adopted kids. They have been involved in all sorts of, like, high-impact, holistic ministries. Um, they're the real deal. Like, you guys are, are all in. Seriously, I just, this is lower than yours. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I just kept going down, down, down. Um, Barracuda. I felt like I needed a down, 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 barracuda. You know, anyway, no. Anyway, um, in my mind, it was funny. Uh, So, but but they, most recently, God has just like captured their hearts uh, for Costa Rica and children, uh, refugees from Nicaragua who have nothing and no hope that are hanging out there, and they're gonna tell you about that. But in uh, uh, last Christmas Eve, uh, they started an organization called Love Pure, and um, last Christmas, in order to reach those children, and they've gone there this past year, and you're going to move there in the coming years um, to do something to bring hope to those kids. And so last year, our Christmas Eve offering, we try to give outwardly every year, And it went entirely to help them uh, get Love Pure started. You guys gave the biggest offering you've ever given before, $18,000, went to help them get going. And so um, uh, with this year's Christmas Eve offering, um, one month away, I would love for you to hear about their plans for 2020. So first, would you tell us about 2019 Love Pure and what their $18,000 did to help you guys uh, accomplish what you accomplished.
1: Sure, and we've only been up here twice. These seem really bright today. So oh, yeah,
0: turn the, can you turn the, um, this will affect things Wait, if you turn the lights on out. Leslie, please. Thank you.
1: And that, I think that's better. Is that, does oh, that yeah. help a little bit? Yeah, I, I felt like I was being beamed up. Or
0: yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kelly's shaking her head. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so yeah. So the question is: Is uh, what did we achieve this year specifically? The eighteen thousand dollars. It was actually more, a little more than eighteen thousand uh, dollars that you guys uh, donated. First of all, just it was humbling for us. I remember when Alex sent the text, it's like, I think there's a typo in there. I think he, I think he added a one. So uh, we, were, we, were, we were pretty humbled. But what it did for us, we, we had already started Love Pure as an organization, and our plan in 2019 was to go down and just start to build relationships, start to get involved. We've got some partners down there that are in the community working with the children that we feel like we're, we're being called to work with. But what that money allowed us to do is spend a lot less time worrying about how do we go fundraise and immediately get into the trenches. So we, we ended up uh, covering, or paying for a couple of key programs with these children that we are going to be like in the trenches with over the next five, 10, 15 years. Um, so it literally, that donation jumped us ahead probably 12 to 18 months in where we wanted to go. Um, and it was funny because, you know, we always talk about, you know, in God's time, in God's time, all of a sudden God's like, it's time. So um, we, we didn't have a whole lot of time to sit back and think, well, what if? Um, Just so you guys know, our budget was $30,000, so that was 60% of our budget in a week. It was just sitting in in, in our laps. Um, To me, it was also somewhat humbling that our daughter Grace was having surgery at that time. I wasn't even here. So I wasn't here to see it. I wasn't here to to sit up on stage and, you know, hey, we need some help. Um, It was just all of a sudden it was there when we were dealing with something else pretty um, stressful in our lives. So it 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 was an amazing thing for us, very inspirational um so two two key things that we use uh the money for this year uh and we also have a budget for next year that we'll talk about um the the first is bible club so there are about 370 380 kids uh, in the area where we work that we actually have access to there's actually more than a thousand kids in the area um and so once a week there's a bible club so it's age group specific Um, It's for about an hour and a half, and that's where a a chunk of the money goes to is just being able to support those Bible clubs um, with regards to having a place. We try to give them a little bit of food. There's a lot of of, uh, hunger in this area, Um, so we do that. And then the second big thing um, is camps, believe it or not, so youth camps, just like we have here in the United States. They have youth camps down there. Um, We got 200 kids to youth camps, so there's a teen camp, and then there are two middle-aged camps. Uh, middle school aged kid camps uh, for a week each. And so that's where a big chunk, that's where pretty much all of the money um, from our $30,000 budget went this year.
2: Um, and I would just like to take a minute to touch on the importance of camps. Because I know when you see pictures of where these kids come from, it, you may question the amount of money that goes into a camp and couldn't we use that money um, in a more smart way in their environments. Um, but what camp does is it, is it solidifies the relationship between the kids that go and the staff that's there. It's, they get a lot of one-on-one time with these kids. They can build the trust with these kids to get them to start opening up to a longer-term relationship. Um, It gets them away from their surroundings, so there's some pictures back there of where these kids live and what they're dealing with every single day. And when they get to go to camp for the week, um, first of all, they can just be kids for a week. They don't have to, to worry and have the pressure on them that they do from home. They get to sleep in a bed, many of them the first time they've ever slept on a mattress, and certainly the first time they've ever had a bed to themselves for a week. So that's kind of fun to see. They get three meals. They know that they're going to get three meals a day, and still they pack it up, in the, and you know their leftovers up in napkins and take them back to the bunks after the meal because they're so used to not knowing when they're going to get the next meal. So, um, but, but more than that, we think it, it's, every sense gets hit at this camp. They get to... Um, Smell the fresh air. So you can imagine in that environment, it doesn't smell very good.
0: That's interesting. I didn't think about that. Um,
2: Yeah. yeah. And the sounds. They get to hear nature sounds, which they don't get to hear where they are. Where they are, they're hearing music thumping and motorcycles driving by and yelling and crying. and, and So they never just get to hear birds and peace and nothing. Um, they get to feel grass underneath them, which they don't get to have where they are. Um, so they just get to enjoy. They're just, it's just such a peaceful place for them, which then gets them ready to, to be open to a relationship um, and open to hear about God and, and God's love for them, which they can feel when they're there. Um, and then one more quick thing I want to introduce. Well, actually, you may know. Um, can you put Fabio up now? we first there he is we first met fabio last year about this time january at camp and he and his twin brother and his mom and his older brother had just come in from nicaragua where they were brand new um, and through relationships built at camp they invited them to camp that year um, you can show the picture that's that's him in october he's still coming he's still coming to bible club and now he has this relationship and it all started in camp in january so some of the kids they, they're very intentional about the kids that get invited to camp. Some of them are brand new and they're trying to build the relationships. Some of them have been coming for years. So there's a, there's a broad range. There's some mentors at camp. There's some um, younger kids at camp that are just starting to come. So it's kind of cool to see the intentional choosing of the, of the kids that go to camp. Um, so that's just why we, we feel like camp is so important for these kids because it's such a good starting place. Um, And then one other thing that that Chuck and I think are very excited about that happened in 2019 um, is we're in the community now, before we weren't. And and when we get there now, the kids recognize us, and they remember us, and they they trust us. They know that when we say, we will see you in January, um, mm. we're coming back. And so, hold on. I'm not going to look at Chuck anymore.
0: <laughs> See, but this is like, like, they are the real, this is why I'm so like all in with them, because their heart's just so filled with this. It's an extension of them.
2: So one of the other things that we get by being in the community is now, is now, we're starting to understand the problem. So when we went down there in January, as Chuck likes to say, we went in with checkbook blazing. Like, we're just going to write a check and fix this, and you can't. And it's very interesting when you get down there and you start to understand the community that the problems may not be the problems we thought they were. And the solutions definitely aren't sometimes the solutions that we as Americans thought that we could go down there and fix. And so it's interesting that we can um, start to understand the problems, and some problems are community-wide. One of the problems we found this year the ki- where the kids couldn't see, they couldn't see in school to learn, so we did an eyeglasses fundraiser um, and spent hundreds of dollars on glasses for kids. Um, some, some problems are very child specific. Um, for instance, I can give you two real quick examples. One was a girl, they were coming over from Nicaragua, they lost her papers. She can't attend school, so she's stuck. Um, so we, we get in there and we call the school from Nicaragua and we try to find her papers. Another child we learned was born in Pinos, not in a hospital, no record of him even being born. The government doesn't even know he exists. So now we're going backwards to try to get him papers so that he can go to school and he can do the things that limit him by not having. So as we get in there and we understand what actually is a problem and what actually is a solution, that's really exciting for us because we feel like our impact can be that much bigger. See, I do better when I don't look at you.
0: Can I just say one thing, and I know very little about, can you show that picture of all of those kids in like jeans and stuff um, outside, like the big group picture? Yeah, so I look at that, and I see, like, like suburbia. Like, that's what our youth group would look like. But these kids live in slums, essentially. Don't those
1: kids literally live in the area where yeah. a couple slides So, there.
0: so you are giving them the ability to imagine. Yes. Like, they can imagine something other than that that in and of itself. What an amazing gift that what you're doing, just to say, hey, this is out there. This could be, okay, that's... So, talk, if you're... Thank you, thank you. Um, um, <laughs> um, talk through 2020 if you're ready. Like, what are your plans for, for the
1: coming year? Yeah, so tw- 2020 starts with um, just now that we see how critical uh, the camps are. Um, we kind of knew that they were a big deal and, and some of the people that we work with down there that are in the trenches that we call our partners Um, we're always amazed that they'll say something to us, we're like, "Eh, I don't know, and then all of a sudden you see the why, and to Christy's point, it's very intentional. Uh, So we're all in on the camps. I mean, the camps make a lot of sense. It can have such an impact with the camps. So for for, uh, 2020, we want to make sure that we continue to fund the camps. They solely count on us to fund the camps. So they lost... Um, They lost a big chunk of money from the government because they're Christian-based. The government said we can't support Christian-based organizations unless it's political, Um, and they weren't big enough to be political. So we jumped in and, and did that. We want to do that again in 2020. And then the Bible Club, obviously, is critical as well because that's where those kids get that foundation of your worth something and, and so forth and it's that extra touch. So our goal for 2020 is starting with $30,000 budget just to make sure that those camps and, and those Bible clubs are ready to go. I don't think I threw the number out there before. We do 440, 450 Bible clubs throughout the year. So that's how many different ones. The problem is is each kid's only get, getting one a week because you spread it across a couple different areas and age groups, it gets thin. Um, so that's, that's our core. This year, we were on the ground for about 35 days um, in the trenches doing work. This next year, we're gonna take it to 40, 45. Fortunately, I have a business down there. Um, so this allows us to, to get some travel. We've got friends that we can stay with uh, at no cost. So we just wanna be on the ground more to Christie's point. What are those extra sets of problems now that we're getting some trust with the families, we're getting some trust with the children and, we're, and we can observe those types of things. So more time on the ground is goal too. Um, and then our big ambitious goal uh we have a five-year plan uh we've worked with our our board has a five-year plan tony back there is on the board i don't know if bill bb's here he's on the board they're
0: celebrating thanksgiving in columbus with their oh are they
1: okay tony's dedicated tony's right there um bill's very dedicated he's he's our our treasurer so um we sat down and did a five-year plan we've shown alex and and kathy the five-year plan um and it kind of gets us to a great place, but this year we want to plant that first seed in the five-year plan. And it's to start to build a five- to six-day-a-week resource in Los Pinos, which is the poorest area that you, that you saw uh, some of the pictures of. This will just enable us to do some things and be more present in the kids' lives. And when we're down there in two years, now we've got a foundation to really blow some some things out. So we're toying with the ideas of, let's, let's maybe start discussion discussions around missions. So now we've got a place where people can come down, be relatively safe, because I know that's important. Mission trips. Mission trips, yeah, yeah sorry, sorry, mission trips. Um, so we're starting to, starting to build that. We've had a lot of people talk to us about that. We just aren't in a position right now. We're, like, we're still guessing yep. when we go in what's going on. So it's planting the seeds, building some of that foundation. Um, but the first thing, obviously, is we've got to get the budget to, to make sure that we're kind of business as usual.
2: I don't know if he made that clear enough. So we want to we build a center. We want to build a youth center in Pinos that these kids can get to. And I don't know if, I know he said mission and he said some things, but I don't know if that came across. We wanna own a building down there that these kids can come to every day.
1: Just talk about what a building is and what a building is. Okay, so real quickly too, I think it's important for us to note that if you see where this place is, we observe a lot of other um, people in the area and what they're doing. And about a half mile from from Los Pinos, there's a three-story glass building that the government built, and they, they literally fill it with about 90 kids and they're giving away free food and free preschool. The people that live in Pinos, they won't go there. It's, it's too far, you've got to walk through some really bad gang-related type drug dealing areas. Um, they don't trust the government, they don't want to be there. So we're talking about a really humble ranch-style cinder block, put a roof over their head. Um,
0: that's what you want to build. That's what
1: we want yeah. to build. Right there on the edge of the shantytown is what they call it. Um, so it's 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 a humble core building, but it's a place we can be five, six days a week. Built by people they know and trust. Built by people they know and trust, and they know that when they go there, that that's where things are going to happen. So that's our, our vision.
2: Okay, now I'm not looking at the screen or Chuck. I'll look up because I know what's behind me. Okay, this is Alfredo and Rachel and their three siblings. And Alfredo's really, really special to us. We've known him for a year. Um, And when we get there, Alfredo's the first one to run and give you a hug. And um, he he does, I mean, when we're there, he does everything we do. He wants to ride in the car. He wants to eat with us. He wants us to um, come see him again and take his picture. I think I've got 6,000 pictures of Alfredo on my phone because he likes me to take him and there's always this now I don't know if you can see it because I'm not going to turn around there's always a little bit of sadness in his smile and um we, we couldn't figure out why what it is about Alfredo and he definitely has some underlying anger issues like he'll lash out every once in a while at the kids around him and um but we kept going and when we've had conversations a lot of conversations about Alfredo and what we found out this year is that um number one they're malnourished he and his sisters and all of his siblings, they're tiny and they're not growing. They're just not getting the food they need. Um, and we also found out this year that his dad disappears. He, he comes in and out. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of story there that I'm not going to get into, but um, all of that and his family situation and his surroundings, and, and he just has this anger in him that's pushing out some of his joy, and that makes us sad, and he needs more. He needs more interactions. He gets seen twice a week. He gets one Bible club and one football club a week, and that's not enough for us. We're not, we're not okay with that. Um, we feel like he needs more chances to come in and get food. I don't, I don't want him to be. I don't, oh, I don't want him to be malnourished. I want him to get more chances to process his feelings and talk about what's going on in his surroundings. I want him to have a chance to build his skills so that he can find a job when he gets old enough. He can be employable. I want him to have a place where he can come every day and get fed.
0: You guys are both a mess. I don't know who you're going to hand the mic to. I'm, I'm
2: faking it so she I want him to be able to come and, and feel God's love and know that he's important and somebody loves him. And somebody cares. And that, that he is worth more than his surrounding show. And, that, and, and Alex said this a couple of weeks ago, that, that you can't judge your position with God based on what you're surrounded by. And that, that really hit me because I want these kids to know that. I want them to know that they can write a different story than what they have grown up with. Um, and so I want a place that Alfredo and Rachel and their siblings can come every single day. And that's, that's our goal, that's our dream.
1: Could you go one more slide please? This is um, up there on the right, that's Alfredo's house. So I think the, you know, kind of going back to the five day a week, you know, we don't know what goes on inside that house and to have a place that five, six days a week they can get out of there if things get bad. Um, you know, we're not talking about building the Taj Mahal. We're not talking about serving a mistake. But just if we can just take the edge off some of those things that are constantly in his face and change his culture or his environment. And you see, this is why getting him to camp too. It's like, how, how receptive is he to our message or the message of God when this is his reality? So Christy gets upset because when they leave to go back to this, we go back to the hotel, we go back to our friend's house, and it's tough, it's tough.
0: So tell us, um, real concise, what is, what do you need in 2020 to do what you wanna do? What's the budget look like? What's the?
1: Yeah, so the the must have budget is 30,000. That's just to keep the conversations going, give the kids what we have now, the stretch goal the the reach is probably another twenty to thirty thousand dollars to get a, a an existing property and and build up the foundation um, get the programs going so there's staff in place with our partners and and they 've said hey you know we 've got people if you can build the center, we can get things going. we need spanish speaking staff we need people dedicated. You guys have heard about us talk about our, our partners at Ned plus they don 't have the resources they don 't have the, the I hate to say it this way, kind of the business savvy to, to pull yeah. some of these things off. Um, so that's, that's our stretch goal. At, at the end of the year, we're really talking probably about a fifty to $60,000 all-in, cover the programs, and really plant that first seed so that in 2021 we're talking about what types of programs are we doing. Can we do mission trips and get people down doing things? I, there's a lot of people that I've already said, when we build a building, I'm going to need some you know people to come in and do construction and, and maintenance and that kind of stuff. Um, so this is kind of a pivotal year for us. It's in it's in God's hands, obviously. This is what we're feeling. This is what we're praying on, and I guess, I guess we'll find out what the
0: so thirty thousand lets you do what you need to do. Another thirty lets you build what you want to build. Yes. Um, and then how much of that thirty thousand operating budget goes to you guys to your expenses?
1: Uh, yeah, so this is interesting. It's, it's, sometimes it's a point of contention. Um, so let a little bit of background as to my belief on this. So we've met with a lot of organizations that are not sustainable. We've met with a lot of people that, a lot of organizations that don't make it or they spend all of their time. You know where's that next dollar coming from? We've approached it from a little more of a cold and calculated. This is a business; it has to be sustainable. So we've put a lot of things in place. Um, you know, tied it to our business and some personal resources. We've got some. You know, trying to have relationships with with. People that are all in, like Polaris and, and some individual donors, um, so we kind of look at this right, wrong, or indifferent. God's the CEO, and He doesn't take a dollar out, so we're not taking any money out. So that was we, a
0: long way to say nothing. Nothing. Right? Nothing of that thirty thousand goes to <laughs> goes their to expenses. Us.
1: So we we believe that um, that if somebody gives us um, in, in the parking lot one day, I won't mention a name. Somebody walked up and gave me a hundred dollars, and. Mm. it was a hundred bucks it's like that's that person believes enough in what we're doing i need to take that one hundred dollars and do something about that so and it's and it's you know not even putting money into the website or our travel it's no putting money into that is what we feel so we're passionate about that um you know we don't have ambition to go solve world hunger around the world so we feel like part of our mantra is uh, when our donors give us money 100% of that money is going to go directly to work in
0: Basically, Chuck's an entrepreneur. Chuck's figured out how to cover their expenses with his business. And so everything we give goes straight to doing it's what you do work. for those kids. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Le- legally, by the way. When you say figure <laughs> it out, <laughs> it sounds like That's real. a plus. Yeah. In Costa Rica. <laughs> <we're>...
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, guys. We love you. you. We're with you. We're for you. Um... <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal. Um, Christmas Eve is a month away. All three of our Christmas Eve offerings, just like last year, will go outward. Uh, we want our Christmas Eve offerings to to go outward. We we are an independent church. If you're new to Polaris, that means that everything we have comes from our offerings. But we like to give the Christmas Eve offering away, and um, and so I, I think that. Like, I don't know about you, but I want the Badleys to, like, be the Polaris missionaries. Like, I think I would love, the, like, I feel like we've kind of arrived as a church when we have our missionaries that went out from Polaris to do this thing in another place and what amazing work they're doing. So for me, the God-sized goal is, um, is giving them their 30000 in 2020 for their budget to do what they do. Um, I, to, so that they don't have to spend time and energy fundraising. Um, I know that's a, that's a God-sized goal for us. Like, we don't have $30,000 sitting around. But I would love for our Christmas Eve offering, and I talked with the elders. They're good with it. Staff's good with it. I would love for our Christmas Eve offering to go 100% toward that 30000 And then I would love, if we're short, to find ways in 2020 to get them the rest of that 30,000 so that we can say in 2020, Polaris Christian Church made love pure, gave love pure, everything they needed to continue to do their ministry in in Costa Rica for those children. Um, now... I've been talking to several of you, and this this year seems to be a turning point for the culture around us where there are causes everywhere, great causes. So it's going to be extra important that we pray about the causes that God has called us toward. And and, and that's all that I'll ever ask at Polaris. If I ask something in another way, you need to question me about why. All I've ever said... um, is is you need to pray about what God wants you to give and where He wants you to give it and and do so joyfully, and don't feel guilty. And that's all that that I would ask for this. Uh, but I am asking that you pray about um, whether or not God has called you to contribute to Love Pure and the Christmas Eve offering specifically, um, because I think that that God is leading Polaris to to fund that ministry. And so here's, I've never said anything like this, but here's what I want to ask you. Okay, this is, this is my 20th anniversary at Polaris. Yay me. Um, as a gift for my 20th anniversary, I'm not asking you to give anything. I'm simply asking you to take a few minutes this holiday season and pray and ask God whether or not he wants you to give toward the Love Pure budget in 2020 toward that goal of $30,000. If God leads you to another cause, give it joyfully. If you're at a place where you need every dime just to make ends meet, you might be at a place where you need to receive, where God's like, no, you need to receive from the family of God right now. Do so joyfully. Someday God will lift you up to where you can give to his causes, and that's that. Whatever God lays on your heart, do so joyfully without feeling any guilt my gift that I'm asking for for me is that you just take a moment with your family to pray about your part in what they're doing. And if it's nothing, you have other causes. I mean it. Give to that joyfully. Don't don't worry about it. But if he calls you to something uh, Christmas Eve or beyond, then um, then give that joyfully. And I guess the one other thing I would say is I know that there are some of you who can't give anything, and I, I and I get it. But there are some of you with like extra income and extra savings, and I'm hopeful that you'll pray about um, that. You'll pray about the cause and um, think about doing something big for those children in Costa Rica. Okay, um, enough about that. You know what? Let's let's uh, let's pray for um, <clears throat> for uh, Chuck and Christy, and um, let's let's go. Um, we learned something last week. Let's stand. And if you're comfortable, let's lift our hands because what we learned from Moses, that's how we win, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Chuck and Christy. Thank you for their heart. Thank you for calling them uh, to Costa Rica. Uh, We know that you love those children and you want them to know your love for them. You want them to know your value, the value that you have given them, their worth because of how much you love them. And we pray right now that whether it's through us or whether it's through other organizations, that you would raise up all that love pure needs and more. That you would bless them with land and a building. That you would give them certainty and calling. That you would give them protection and wisdom. And that all those children from those barrios would know your love for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I have about 10 minutes, less than that, and I'm going to finish my sermon series. We're going to talk about Daniel. If you want to turn there, um, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 6. Find it on your own. I don't have time to wait. If you want the title for the sermon series, go to my past sermons for this series on the app. Uh, So one of the things that I hear most common from people at Polaris, one of the greatest life frustrations is you're at work or you're in the neighborhood and there's culture clash. The The ethics in your workplace don't line up with yours and it makes life difficult. The conversations in your workplace, people are coming at life from a different direction. Uh, <clears throat> you're tired of the suburban kind of pursuit of of social status and possessions and whatever and you you long for something deeper there's tension as you relate with the culture the book of daniel is a story for you it starts out with uh with daniel uh living in exile a man named daniel living in exile he's lived in exile for decades. He's an old man now, but this started when he was in his 20s. Uh, exile, basically, in, in, in this context, means that when an empire uh, took over your land, they would move people uh, to a different place in the empire and move their people to this conquered land. It kind of takes away the sovereignty and the identity of the people. So Daniel was selected to go and work for the government of a foreign land. This would be like Iran taking over America taking you, moving you to Iran. Now you're working for the Iranian government to crunch numbers and expand their empire and everybody around you uh, reads the Koran and prays to Allah and there's no bacon to be found anywhere. Um, I hope that you would be respectful and loving toward people, but you can imagine the tension that that would create. This is the tension that Daniel lived in. Now, Um, through hard work, um, he was promoted in the government until he was a big deal. He was at a very small table of leaders, uh, in, in this foreign government and being, uh, groomed to, um, to be essentially the prime minister. So here we go. This is Daniel six. It pleased Darius the king, the emperor, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps leaders to to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials, three at the top, uh, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these uh, leaders, these regional leaders, would give an account so that the king would suffer no loss. Uh, Then this Daniel became uh, distinguished above all the other high officials and and satraps leaders uh, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials, those leaders, they sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. They were jealous with regard to the kingdom. Uh, But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, no errors uh, or fault was found in him. He was a really hard, diligent worker. He was very competent. So these men said, we're not going to find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So here's what they knew. His workmanship was impeccable, but he loves his God. So let's look there to find something. Then they um, they have this scheme. They have this scheme uh, that they devise, and they're going to use the king who loves Daniel. They're going to use his arrogance to their advantage. So here's their... Uh, here's their uh, Conspiracy. O king, Darius, live forever. They go to the king and they kiss up. All the high officials of the kingdom, uh, the, perf- the, the, the prefects and the setraps, the counselors, the governors, they all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. So they know where Daniel prays. And who he prays to. And they come up with this ordinance and the king loves it. He's like, yeah, because I'm kind of awesome. So he signs this. He makes it a law for 30 days. Nobody can pray to anybody but the king. Now, they are so familiar with Daniel's spiritual habits with his prayer life, they set their watch to it. Here's what the Bible says. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, I want you to read the book of Daniel this week. Don't get lost in the apocalyptic dream sequences from Daniel. If you're new to the Bible, just read it for Daniel's story. But here's what, here's what happens, okay? These men knew Daniel's prayer rhythms. They came up with a scheme because they knew he was so consistent in his prayer rhythms and they caught him. They caught him, they drug him to the king. The king is devastated, but he can do nothing because this was like a decree, so they put him in the lion's den. He prays all through the night, and the Bible says, God, closed the lion's mouth. There was not even a scratch. It gives that detail. There was not even a scratch on Daniel. In the morning, the king comes down. He sees that God had saved Daniel. He pulls him out of the pit. He says, Daniel's God is God, and he's the only God to be worshiped. Then he throws the schemers down into the lion's den. It didn't go so well for them. Here's the thing that I want you to walk away with. Daniel thrived in a culture clash. Why? Because he had prayer habits. And those habits were so endearing to him. They, he, they, they were his foundation, they were so important to him. Nothing says he had to continue them during the decree, but after those decades of all that those prayers had become for him, he basically said, Stop praying like I do. No way. Just throw me to the lions. Throw me to the lion's den before I'll stop praying like I pray. He prayed three times a day. He had habits. They made him who he was. They enabled him to thrive. They were so important to him that he would rather be thrown to the lion's den than stop doing that. Anytime you see anybody good at anything... It's because they had non-negotiable habits. You see somebody with a good body? They're committed to working out and eating right. It's Christmas, doesn't matter. You're on vacation, doesn't matter. They're still eating right. They're still at the gym. They have their habits. Somebody with a great lawn, they have their fertilizer schedule. They don't miss it. They're out there in like raincoats and, and boot. They will not miss it. And that's what makes their lawn great. Somebody who lives in a secular culture, who has a life of impact, who lives with what's called the joy of the Lord, they got there because they have spiritual habits and nothing in heaven or on earth would keep them from being true to those habits. Stop my habits? No way, throw me to the lion's den first. That's what we see in Daniel. Now this is a shameless plug. The month of January, um, in the cliche police are gonna arrest me the month of January, I'm calling it 2020 Vision. There's your cliche title. I want to talk about developing habits that give you clear spiritual vision. January 5th, I want to devote the, that, uh, talking, uh, that talk the, that morning to if you're brand new or if you're seasoned, here are some things specifically that I've seen over the years that really help. Here are some practices, here are some books, here are some habits that I know will help deepen your walk with God or develop those kind of habits. That So if you're like, I want those habits, I don't know how, January 5th, I'll walk you through it um, and, and go from scratch on, here's some bedrock things that you can do. Um, come on up, guys, we'll do one last song. And, 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 and during this song, I want you to think about one thing. These habits that create a foundation... We develop them and maintain them because our desire to make Jesus the center of everything is strong. We stay grounded in life when Jesus is at the center. All these habits really do is keep Jesus at the center. And it starts with a desperate desire for him to be there at the center of everything. So through this song, make it your prayer inviting Jesus to be the center, and then we'll work on developing habits that get him there and keep him there.